You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Whole bunch to discuss on this Saturday morning, the Saturday edition, couple hours to do so. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. We have the divisional playoffs, four more games, four hopefully good games, although apparently Vegas does not agree. Like, the big takeaway after last weekend was, wow, what a great weekend of football, two overtime games, all four games really competitive, down to the wire. Apparently, Vegas is saying, well, hope you enjoyed it at the time because you're not going to get it again this weekend. But we'll get into that. We'll get into the New York Giants, who have a new coach. We have now 32 days until pitchers and catchers report to Tampa for the Yankees. So just about a month. We're in the doldrums of winter if you're a big baseball fan. There's still some moves to be made. But let's hope, even before it happens, with a month to go, that the Yankees, they report down to Tampa, and then really we don't hear anything else. Not a repeat of last year where it seemed like every couple of days, oh, this guy's hurt, this guy's this guy's also banged up, this guy's going for tests, an MRI scheduled for that guy. So we have about a month for that. Two weeks until the Baseball Hall of Fame class of 2020 is announced. And already it seems pretty clear. Not really going out on a limb that saying uh, that Derek Jeter is obviously going to get in. But Larry Walker, final year of eligibility for him. Just looking at the trends, certainly things look to be heading in the right direction for Kurt Schilling. It's his eighth year. He had 60% of the vote last year, so trending in the right direction. And Schilling might be a controversial figure, but what's not controversial is his career is certainly Hall of Fame worthy. So lots to do. And every once in a while on the Saturday show, we'll talk about technology and how technology is terrifying. This week, I have the best example of that. Downright terrifying. I should take every piece of technology I own and throw it in the river. So we'll get to that, too. But let's start at the beginning. And this week was a big week for the New York Giants. Giants have themselves a new head coach. And it is Joe Judge introduced at his press conference on Thursday. And man, what a crazy week it was, right? Tuesday, they'd already been conducting some interviews. They were set to interview Matt Rule. And in the morning show on Tuesday, at the time, it seemed all lined up. Really, from the start of the coaching search, it always kind of seemed like Matt Rule was the number one name on the list. Now, originally, it was, would he want to work with Dave Gettleman? Some people said, no, that would be a a hard no. Other people said, no, you know what? The Giants are his dream job, that he'd be willing to get past that. And he was the hot name this coaching, this coaching season. And a guy for the Giants who checked all the boxes. Young, forward-thinking, has coached both sides of the ball. He's a New York guy. Giants, as I said, were his dream job. And it was a move. That would excite the fan base. But after the week that has already concluded, I guess there's at least a good possibility that no matter what happened, it would have excited the fan base, with the exception of Jason Garrett. That one, there's no press conference in the world that would have been able to excite the the fan base on a move for Jason Garrett. But it seemed like it was all lined up. And then all of a sudden, at around, I guess, 10 o'clock-ish, Things went sideways. First, you got the report that Rule was off the board, headed to Carolina. And then just when you got your breath back after that piece of news, 
about an hour later, you found out that Joe Judge, even though he had interviewed, I don't think that many people, many Giant fans, had really paid attention to the name Joe Judge. I know I didn't. But then you got to hear from Judge on Thursday, and you could understand why the Giants would be, in Dave Gettleman's terms, full-blown love with him. He looks like a coach, talks like a coach. I don't know that I was blown away by him. That's the reports you got from the Giants. They had the interview, and they were just completely blown away by Joe Judge and his answers and just how his general outlook on building a football team and how he would be as a head coach. And I will preface this by saying that I don't know how he will be as a head coach. I think most people have all been in agreement on that one point, whether they like the move or not the move. You really never know about a coach, and you certainly don't know about Joe Judge. And despite anything that he said on Thursday, whether you liked it or not, you still don't know. I will say this, without knowing much about Joe Judge, I will say he, not all job openings are the same. And I think he is facing a far greater task than any recent hire than I can think of. But we'll get to that. That's what we don't know. We can feel one way or the other, but we don't know. Here's what I do know. And I said this when the news came down on Tuesday. We said this on Wednesday. The days of the Giants, and this has been something that's been there for a very long time, that the Giants head coaching job, that's a premier job. Some people will tell you that is the premier job in the NFL. Stable ownership. A history of success. They know what they're doing. Well, I think now that this coaching search has wrapped up, that we started in one place, we ended in the other, we can now say that to Giant fans, your Giant privilege has been revoked. The House of Big Blue has fallen and really right now has been left in ruins. So you now, as a fan base, get to live like most of us do. No longer are you mommy's favorite. You are just one of the NFL teams. No more of this, this is the premier job. This is the greatest job in the NFL. Things is, in my time over the last 40 years, it seems like things have always worked out for the Giants. No, they haven't had great years every single year. But they, your life as a fan of the Giants has been a charmed one. And now that time... Certainly seems like it's over. Now, who knows? Maybe it will turn around again at some point. But at least in the now, I can say no longer is the Giants' job this premier job. Because the results told you that. There were three coaches who were the top three candidates, two of which never even talked to you. The one that did, in Mike McCarthy... As soon as the Cowboys said, hey, you can have our job, he left in a cloud of dust to be able to sleep at Jerry Jones's house. I have lived my life hearing Giant fans tell me about how great they're. They are one of the pinnacle organizations in the NFL. Not anymore. And here's the thing. You have had that charmed life, so you really have nothing to complain about. Up until now. Now, Giant fans would complain just like the rest of you. But for fans of bad teams, Jet fans, Dolphin fans, 
other fan bases around the NFL, they had actually something to complain. We've had something to complain about. Giant fans really haven't. You've lived a charmed sports existence. Nine and seven Super Bowl runs, missed field goals to win Super Bowls, upsetting unbeaten teams in the Super Bowl. Everything has worked out for the Giants, but not anymore. The success that you felt like was your birthright has done. And now those of us who have not been living in the mansion of the NFL, but in the outhouse of the NFL, we have to uh, move some of our stuff around to make room for you because now you are part of us. Now, in terms of the complaint line, you're at the back of the line. You still have nothing to complain about. But at least now you're in up until now you had nothing to complain about. Now you're going now you're going to have some legitimate gripes. But you just got here. We've been here for a very long time. And this happens. There are NFL organizations that are these great winning organizations and then they fall on hard times and it doesn't stay that way forever. It feels like it because the Patriots are good every year and other organizations are good every year and there was a time where you were good pretty much every year. But not anymore. Now you're just you're just like the rest of us living here and thinking about what used to be. So get used to it. But you have a new head coach in Joe Judge, and we'll see how he does. It is amazing, though. Going from Tuesday when he got announced to when he got introduced, that press conference apparently just spouting some cliches is enough to get Everyone turned around because more than enough people who either didn't like the move originally or or felt kind of confused by the move originally, Joe Judge has his press conference. And you can understand why the Giants would certainly love it with the way that he – the things he said, the way he said it. But I would say for fans who have seen press conferences time and time again – To think that anything that happened on Thursday was somehow out of the norm or somehow is an indication of what is to come, I would say you're just very easily impressed. Again, maybe Joe Judge turns out to be Newt Rockney. But you have to go back to where the coaching search began. Ron Rivera didn't even wait to talk to you. And why didn't he wait to talk to you? Because he wanted to go talk to the Washington Redskins. He was in a rush to take over what might be, outside of Cleveland, the worst job in the NFL. Mike McCarthy, as I said, at least he talked to you. But as soon as Dallas came calling, whoop, right out the door. And then you had Matt Rule. And no matter what the Giants will tell you now about how Joe Judge just impressed them so much that he was going to be the guy regardless, that to me does not pass the smell test based on what we know about the Giants, and based on what the Giants did. They were still set to have the the, the, the meeting with, with Matt Rule. And it's been pointed out by other people, that was going to be the only interview that Steve Tisch was involved in. Why was that? Now, on Tuesday morning, when it seemed like Matt Rule was the guy, I said, well, I guess there goes the narrative that nobody wants to work with Dave Gettleman because if you go out and get the hot hire 
that everybody was looking at and had had a chance to be a coach last year, certainly had more interviews than he had, knew what to do with this year. He had a chance to interview in Cleveland and turned it down. You can't use the argument that nobody wants to work with Dave Gettleman if he had accepted the job, but he didn't accept the job. And while this coaching side and the, the news of Joe Judge, it's great for Joe Judge that he gets the job. It's really good for Dave Gettleman because that tells you that he is still firmly in place. That w- it would not have been the case if you had gotten an established coach like a Mike McCarthy or a Ron Rivera or even a Matt Rule who had options to go other places. So Giant fans, I would say, A, you have to get used to the new world order. And the new world order is you are just like everybody else. And whether or not the Giants have actually turned anything around by making the move that they did, that remains to be seen. I know a lot of people are are certainly impressed by a press conference. I would say that you are easily impressed and that talk is cheap. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. But look, Giant fans, I'm not telling you that there won't be anything to enjoy in the future. As someone who is a veteran, I feel like I'm a tour guide for rooting for a terrible NFL team. So I can kind of point out the things you can do to keep your mind occupied during an NFL season. Now, you're not going to really have any important games or playoff wins. I think it's now been, I can actually calculate it because I have free time. I'm not, I don't have a team getting ready for divisional round or or wild card weekend. I actually figured it out. It's almost been now 7,000 days since the Dolphins won a playoff game. 7,000. So as your tour guide, I can tell you there are things to keep you busy during an NFL season when your team, when the season in terms of importance is gone by the board really before it almost begins. I like to, to Google mock drafts. Sometimes I start doing that in October. Get a good read. You don't even know who's coming out, but it gives you something to pass your time. You have fantasy football. There's something to pass your time. You really can't be all that invested in your team. The Red Zone channel, that's fun. Every once in a while, your team pops up there. Hey, hey look, we have a game today. You have gambling now. You can gamble right on your phone. It's fantastic. All these things as an NFL fan to keep you busy while your team is throwing another season away. So don't be don't be too down. And the one area that I thought was very funny when it got introduced, you know, it was first off, it was announced. And on Tuesday, I was in the car and I was driving. So I was listening a lot to Rick, Chris and Dave as they went through this. And the funniest aspect of it was when the Joe Judge, Adam Schefter tweeted out that Joe Judge was going to be the head coach. The first reaction that Dave had was to actually make sure it was Adam Schefter. He wanted to make sure it was not Adarn Schefter because it seemed so outrageous at the time. But one of the big takeaways from everybody before the press conference but after the news was announced was that Joe Judge, he's a real no-nonsense guy. That was the big takeaway that a lot of people had, which I, I guess after you hear him speak, yeah, I can see that. But can anybody find me the nonsense guys who got NFL coach? Anybody who – any nonsense guy who has been coaching in the NFL for a while or even has gotten an interview. You know, we were going to hire this guy, but it turns out he's a real nonsense guy. He came in with a whoopee cushion. 
It's opened with a knock-knock joke. I think all the coaches are pretty much no-nonsense guys. But if you were impressed by Joe Judge in the press conference, who am I to tell you you're wrong? I think that it's it was a very boilerplate kind of interview and our press conference. And based on recent trends, he didn't screw anything up, which is always a good sign. And that's not a given that you wouldn't screw something up. He made sure to shave his face. He was dressed appropriately. He didn't call people by the wrong – he didn't call Dave Gettleman Don Gettleman. So that's all good. But I feel like the press conference, for me, who has seen these things time and time again, and with the Giants, right? I mean, we've had a lot of them here over the last few years. It just felt like very boilerplate, a very uh, routine kind of press conference. But, of course, it was not just Joe Judge who talked on Thursday. Also, GM Dave Gettleman did. And this was a little nugget that he gave to the media. The people say it's a passing league. I get that. But, you know, that graphic on Sunday afternoon should not have been lost on everybody. Top four passing teams were not in the playoffs. The top four rushing teams were in the playoffs. And I think, don't quote me, but most of the teams were in the top, I think, 12 in terms of rushing. So, again, it's, it's a physical violent game and if you don't build your team to do that in the late in the year when the weather's lousy and it's it's mush out there the tough the tougher that team is going to win it's kind of hard to believe right that he would say that because as everybody's kind of pointed out since he said it it's not about rushing or passing it's about efficiency right it's about what can you do on offense efficiently And it's very simple that, of course, the rushing team's totals are going to be higher because good teams run the ball more often. If you're winning, you're going to run the ball more often. And if you're losing and you're trying to catch up, you're going to pass the ball more often. And it kind of ties into just because two things are both true does not mean that one causes the other. And the the best analogy that I've heard is that uh, I wish I could give credit to who who wrote it on Twitter. I could not find it after I went back and tried to find it. That Dave Gettleman heard a stat that most car accidents happen within five miles of your house, so he bought a new house and moved someplace else. Like Just because two things are connected, both are true, doesn't mean that one causes the other. So as I said before, We'll look at Joe Judge and the hiring of Joe Judge. Is it a good move? Is it a bad move? I would simply say I think that he is facing far more risks in his first coaching stop in as terms of a head coach than I can think of. Mostly because, A, he is taking over, by all accounts, a terrible team. The Giants have won the fewest games in the NFL over the last three years. And it's not just, oh, it's just a fluky thing that they have a lot of talent. No, they're not a very talented team. And think about what that's saying. Over the last three years, you've won the fewest games. There was one year Cleveland didn't win any. And they have more wins over three years than you do. Secondly, he doesn't have any experience in the job that he will be in. I know we've kind of gotten away from experience being this major factor in a lot of jobs. But when you don't have any experience in the job that you're getting... You don't know what you don't know, and it's gonna, there's going to be a learning curve, and he's going to be doing that, again, with not a very good team. Now, maybe that buys him some more time because by 
everyone has to be a little bit patient because he's a first-time head coach and he's taking over a bad team. But that doesn't exactly bode you with a whole lot of confidence that things are going to be turning around after having these three horrendously bad seasons. And then the third thing is he is he's tying his fate to a GM who has not done a very good job in the two years that he's been on the job. There's no other way around that to say that Dave Gettleman, when you are a GM and any maybe his job was not in jeopardy, although he even said that he thought his job was in jeopardy. If you're a GM coming into a rebuilding situation and you've done such a poor job that your job is in jeopardy two years in, when you knew coming in, it was almost probably at some point going to be a rebuild. Maybe not right away, and certainly they didn't approach it right away as a rebuild. Maybe they'd be further ahead if they had. That does not bode well for Joe Judge, who by all accounts seems like a good guy, and maybe he would, he would eventually be on the fast track to be an NFL head coach. But he wasn't going to get a head coaching job in the NFL outside of the Giants this turn. So if that's the case... It's hard for me, even hearing what he said uh, on Thursday at his press conference, to be filled with a whole lot of hope that things are going to be turning around anytime soon. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Talking a lot about the NFL, a lot about the playoff games this weekend and uh, today, tomorrow, as well as the Giants coaching hire of Joe Judge and whether or not that makes you feel better, Giant fans. I would simply say... That what we know, we don't know what Joe Judge will be. We don't know what Matt Rule will be. But I think we do, we can say with some level of certainty, this notion that the Giants coaching job was this premier job or is the premier job, that is no longer the case. The failures of the organization to put one foot next to the other, basically, and actually be able to walk, never mind run, has left your organization in a state where no one really was going to take the job if they had other options. Ron Rivera didn't even wait to get an interview. And why did he not wait? Did he go to some unbelievable team that he didn't want to blow? No, he went to the Washington Redskins. He wasn't even waiting around for an interview with you. And Matt Rule, while we don't know how he will be as a head coach, he was in far more demand. Than, than Joe Judge. That's not even up for debate. So if you want to get in on the giant conversation or the playoff games this weekend, you certainly can at 1-800-919-ESPN. Let's go uh, back to the phones. We've got to our buddy Spike is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good morning, my friend. i got a couple of quick uh, things to run by you, and I agree with you with the giant coach. Since when did these coaching presses become fashion contests? You've watched the uh, Westminster Dog Show, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, so they bring out these guys. And they go, they give the name and his background. They go, wearing this, like I remember with Ben McAdoo, he came out, and I told this to Ty, he looks like he went through a weight loss program and put the before suit on for the after, right? So everybody got on his rear end. He looks stupid in this. Then they bring Mike McCarthy out, and he gets this big job with Jerry Jones. You can't get a 300-pound potato sack for this guy to look good. He's a football coach. Then you get the two puppies here. This guy rules somewhere in between a TED Talk and Tony Robbins. And then the giant coach came out. I mean, can we talk football instead of critiquing their, what they're wearing? It, it's just too much for me. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody was critiquing what they were wearing. I think you just want to see, especially for Judge, who nobody really had any idea of who he was before the Giants 
hired him, not even after the Giants interviewed him, because even after they interviewed him, it wasn't like any, there was a huge slew of stories talking about, well, who Joe Judge is and, and how he's going to be this next great coaching hire, whoever gets him. So I think that that was interesting from that point of view, but I would agree with you. Uh, the, for all the, the, the jokes about McAdoo and looking, as I said, uh, and other people have, looking like the lead singer of the Talking Heads when he came out with that suit, he did go out the first year and win 11 games. It was only those things were only brought back up when he went out the second year and, and couldn't get out of his own way. And a lot of the issues surrounded the team. Now, that, those 11 wins, now that we can look back on them, they were a bit fluky, right? That was a fluky season for the Giants. They got, they got fortunate in some, some close games. They weren't as good as their record indicated. But all this stuff is just to fill the time until we're actually able to, to get back to something that matters, like the draft or free agency. No one is going to be bringing up any of the points that were focused on during these press conferences once something important actually happens. Let's put it that way. And in terms of the press conference, it's not really about winning it as much as it is about not doing something that makes you look like a buffoon or get memed after it's all said and done. Ira's in Staten Island. Ira, what's up, man? Hey, Gordon, you couldn't have said it more perfectly. And, you know, a friend of mine made a joke about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think I'm going to start a third career. I'm going to go into becoming a press conference analytic analysis. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you, need, you need some numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's gotten to such a joke. But you know what? Uh, you know, the Giants did the right thing. Even if Rule came over, I'm not paying a, a guy that's never coached an NFL game, giving him six, seven years, close to $70 million. I'm sorry. Look, you know, I, I, I agree with you to an extent, but you know what? The Giants gave Judge... Five years. Okay, but yeah, but I'm sure he didn't get more than five to six million tops. But he's not getting close to ten million dollars a year. You know what I mean? But sometimes paying the money is worth it, right? Like sometimes you get into experiences in life, and, and something is is far more expensive than the second option. But the the first option is that much better. Like it's pretty clear to me, no matter what the Giants say, Matt Rule was their first choice. And I get it, seven years and and sixty or seventy million dollars does seem extreme. But you gave a guy – I have more – and I'm not saying that either guy is definitely going to be good, but I have more confidence that Matt Rule will be than Judge based on the oh, fact that he's actually been a coach. And, you know, the thing is, let's say that Matt Rule is terrible, right? Matt, Matt Rule goes to Carolina and he's – within three years, he's out of a job. I'm sure that the contract has some sort of offset language. And I would think that if Matt Rule goes there as terrible, gets fired, he's not going to sit around for the next four years. He'll go back to college and get another job and you'll be off the hook. Yeah, no, I agree. You're right. You're right about that. It just it just seems when you at first glance at the numbers looks crazy. And getting on to the games real quick. Yeah. Last week last week was tremendous. Um I, I, I agree with you. I don't see either one of these AFC games really being competitive in the second half. I think they're both gonna be double digit games. I think Minnesota's defense, um, I think it could make it a game. I don't know if it's going to be good enough if Cousins could get anything doing. I'm not sure what Cook's going to do against San Francisco's defense. But to me, I've always been a big Russell Wilson fan. I think the Seahawks-Packer game is going to be the most entertaining. Yeah, it could be. Well, it's it's the one that people think is going to be the most entertaining, that's for sure. I don't think either team is all that good, but if you could just have a shootout between two quarterbacks and it's a close game, and I think it certainly will be a close game because it doesn't seem like the Packers are ever able to blow anybody out, and just the state of the Seahawks right now, I don't think that they can really blow anybody out. So I think it will be a close game, and it, will, it might come down to who has the ball last, right? Two awesome quarterbacks, and that would be a, a fine way to, to wrap up the weekend. 
I just don't look at either team as being all that good. And after watching Seattle struggle as strongly as they did last week in a game where they really shouldn't have – like once Carson Wentz goes out of that game, you didn't really – it was a close game in terms of score. The, the the Eagles could have scored a touchdown there to tie it at the end. But it it never really felt like it was all that close a game. And it wasn't like a game that I felt like the Seahawks played all that sharply either. So that to me is a little concerning because I don't think they're a good team. The numbers tell you they're not as good as their record would indicate. So I, I don't know that I'm – I'm getting my hopes up that uh, that the Seahawks are going on some run, even as great as, as Russell Wilson is. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. I did want to touch on the baseball stuff because it seems like, well, we're getting closer to spring training about a month away. And it seemed like since this story broke, Major League Baseball was going to have a decision sometime before spring training. That, of course, would be the Astros cheating scandal. And this week, USA Today put out... An article saying that severe punishment looms for the Houston Astros in their sign-stealing scandal. And that has been the general perception, right? That when the punishment eventually comes down, it is going to be strict. It is going to be harsh. And for what the crime clearly was at this point, unless Major League Baseball just does the worst investigation in the history of investigations – They'll find that, yeah, the Astros were doing exactly what we think, that we think they were doing. They had set up a camera in center field, relayed the, the sign to the dugout, and then had somebody decipher the sign and then alert hitters by banging on a garbage can. And did so in a year, A, where Major League Baseball had already come out and said, hey, anything like this, using technology illegally, will be punished Far harsher the next time. The Red Sox got caught with the Apple Watches, got a slap on the wrist. But baseball came out at the time and said, if you get caught doing this, we're going to hammer you. The next time, we're going to hammer you. So people are expecting them to get hammered. But, you know, I have to be honest. When I listen to what the things that are being floated, and maybe it just turns out that that the article talks about things that other people have said. Maybe they don't actually have any real expectation or knowledge about what major league baseball is actually floating but when you hear what some of the punishments that have are are, are out there and and i'm sorry they just simply aren't harsh if it turns out that major league baseball simply suspends aj hinch or jeff lunau the gm i'm sorry that's not a harsh punishment because you have to keep two things under consideration a they were warned And they were warned at the same time they were doing it and completely ignored the warning. And B, what they did was not only illegal, it was effective. And Major League Baseball already had one shot at this, blew it. So now they have to come back this time and actually get it right. And if anything, error on the side of being too harsh. If you want to knock it out. If you want to make sure that teams don't do this type of thing in the future, you have to err on the side of being too harsh in the punishment. But the things that are being floated, loss of draft picks, a major fine of $10 million, a fine is worthless. All those punishments would be worthless because it would tell you, okay, here's what we got out of it. A World Series title, the only time we ever have won one. And this is what we paid. We lost the, we lost draft picks for the next couple of years. 
We paid we, our owner, who's worth I don't know what he's worth, but I'm sure it's probably hundreds of millions of dollars. Paid a ten million dollar fine. Would you make that trade? Have your team win? The win would be somewhat tainted, but you'd still win, and you'd give up draft picks. Your manager would be suspended for a little while, and you, you, your owner would pay some fine that impacts you in, in no way whatsoever. I would. I'd take that trade. I said as soon as this story came up and Major League Baseball was investigating, the first reports were, oh, it's going to be harsh. I'm telling you right now, you're going to be disappointed. If you're expecting the Astros to get hammered, you'll be disappointed. And where Major League Baseball could go a bunch of different ways if they want to. I don't expect them to suspend the players. But if they want to come down with a harsh punishment, the place it begins and ends is with Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch. And to me, there's no way you can have a, a harsh punishment and those guys keep their jobs. There's no way that they could possibly come up with any explanation that that passes the smell test that they didn't know what was going on. They are supposed to be the people who put the, the rules in place and say, hey, guys, if this is going on, knock it out. They clearly didn't do that. So how you could possibly make an argument that it's a harsh punishment and either of those guys, even if they're suspended, say they were suspended for a year, they still have their jobs. And those are the guys who who are supposed to be responsible for making sure the rules are followed. How could you possibly make the argument that it is a harsh punishment if either of those guys, never mind both of them, stay within the organization? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And hopefully at some point Major League Baseball will actually get around to kind of handing down something. You know, before anytime soon here, guys. If you could. If you could do something sometime. It's investigation. Doesn't seem like it really had to be all that that deep of an investigation. It was pretty clear what was going on. And if they told you that they, either way, if they told you yes, it was going on, okay, now you have your proof. And if they told you, oh no, we didn't, we didn't know that was going on. It doesn't. It makes no sense. It's impossible to believe. All right, let's go to the phones. Enough out of me. Let's go to oh, Artie's back. Artie in Brooklyn. What's going on, my man? Do you have a better cell line now? I hope so, man. Right. Like, <laughs> but um. As I was going into my rant, thinking about like uh, how the Jets, you know, we get gays and he's getting criticized, he's going to get fired, go one and eight, and then I'm sitting there going, okay, at least the Giants messed it up now; they didn't get ruled. Hey, here comes like like Lombardi number two with the greatest speech on earth, you know, next to I got a dream. So like now I'm sitting there and I'm going, the Jets are not a seven win team. I'm sitting there arguing. When my free, and he goes, what are you talking about? They, they got Bell. They got this guy. They got that guy. I go, we have to start over. And the, and the, and the, the, the bad part is, is that the same thing's going to happen next year. The GM did not hire Gaze. Gaze hired the GM. And all the fans are going to be criticizing. They have no wide receiver, number one wide receiver. They don't have an offensive line. Okay. They, I mean, I go on. They, I don't have a pass rusher. There's no way, Gordon, that this team is going to win any games. They're gonna, I mean, they're going to win some, but they're going to go through this whole thing. They are rebuilding, and Gaze has no shot. And I want to know what you think about that situation. All right, Gordon. All right, all right, all right. The Jets situation, well, I don't feel good about it. I mean, the amount of changes that you have to make just to get the offense, which is the, the area that you have to fix, it's easy to say, well, you got to build an offensive line. The Jets need everything along the offensive line. They need an entire, basically an entire offensive line. 
They need some skill position players. Now, they have a high draft pick again this year. It's not as high as it's been the last few years. And it seems like they have some money to spend. And in terms of Joe Douglas's reputation around the league, people have been very high. And, and in a short time here, there have been some moves that you like. There have been some moves that you don't. So we'll have to see how he actually goes about spending the money. And there's no more excuses, right? Like last year, the excuse was that, that Adam Gase didn't wasn't on the same page as Mike McCagnan. So that's why things kind of went sideways, at least early on. He didn't want Livion Bell. He didn't want to spend the money on this guy or that guy. There's not really any excuses left, but there's a lot of work to do. And you're right. They are absolutely rebuilding. So um, I think that his point was, would I rather have Gase or Judge as my head coach? Well, look, there's not a lot of evidence for either one. I would think that Judge, the one thing, he's the unknown. And maybe the unknown is better than the known if the known is the wrong answer. I, I'm not a big uh, – I mean, if you listen to me, I'm not a big fan of Adam Gase. He's done some things to keep the team together, I guess. To, to win some games down the stretch is nice. But when the season – you know, he went into the season last year talking about meaningful games in November and December. And that's not really really saying much. Like, all that's saying is that you don't have one of the worst teams in football. And over the first half of the season, the Jets were one of the worst teams in football. So that's not exactly a great sign for a guy who said coming in and just set the bar not real high, just kind of medium high, and wasn't even able to, to, to capture that. Let's go out to Eddie in Rockland. Eddie, what's going on? Hey, Gordon. How you doing, buddy? Good show. Thanks, man. What's up? You know, let me get on this Giants thing. First of all, I used to be a Giants season ticket holder. So let's let's go back to when the boys, the, the, the Suns took over. MetLife Stadium for Dollar Built is the worst stadium in the NFL. That's the first step. Kevin Gilbright, second mistake. Bring in McAdoo, third mistake. Uh, bringing in Shermer, mistake. Mistake, mistake, mistake. And what I look at with Joe Judge, I'm not saying he's a bad coach or what he's going to be. No one knows what he's going to be. Nobody. But for where, where these players are right now, the NFC East is a 9-7, and 10-6 winning division for the next three years. And if this guy, if, if I had to follow this guy up a mountain and he told me, well, you've got to go this way up this mountain and it's the hardest, hardest way. And you look over and you see three other group of people and they're taking a ski lift up, up the mountain. After two years of that, it's going to get old as a player for me. Okay. Cause when you know nine and seven and 10 and six is going to win that division and you should be right about, you should be seven and nine next year. When you come up 5-11 and 11 and you have no chance and you're getting beaten down all the time and he's trying to uh, toughen you up and everything like that, it's not going to work. I see 5-11, and 6-10, and 10, and then out the door. Well, I mean, look, I think that one thing about Judge, and you have to keep this in mind, he is the unknown. But it's also like when he gets hired, everybody has to, oh, is this good hire, bad hire? There's a lot of things that are out of his control. And whether or not he is going to be set up for success – it seems a little doubtful to me without knowing anything about him and really what his coaching philosophies are in terms of being, you know, everybody can say all these things in a press conference, whether or not you're able to, nobody gave a better press conference than, than Rex Ryan. I remember when he got the job, I mentioned this yesterday, when he got the job in Buffalo, it sounded a lot the same things. We're going to build a bully. We're going to build a, we're going to build a team that is representative of this area and hard nose. Two years he was gone. So it's all well and good to be able to say whatever you want. It's whether or not you're able to carry that out. And at least part of that is, do you have the tools to carry that out? 
And I think that if you're just looking at it from afar without knowing whether or not he's going to be a good head coach, considering he's never been a head coach, it seems like he's facing a far greater task than, than, than the average hire in terms of taking over a bad team, not having any experience, and then having a GM where, I mean, there leaves a lot to be desired there. It's great that everybody's ready to give him credit for Daniel Jones after one season. The jury is completely still out on that. Completely still out. And I'd like to see, I mean, the first bit of evidence that you're going to see here before the draft or before free agency is what kind of staff they put together. Seems like the Giants weren't really happy with the staff that uh, Pat Shermer put together. I think with Todd Bowles, that's one of the things that sunk him as well in his time with the Jets. Didn't really have a staff that was a top-notch staff, and Shermer got hurt because he got hired so late. At least that was the the story given. But if a lot of head coaches were turning down the opportunity to come here and coach the Giants based on the situation, I would think that at least in terms of some assistance, that might also be the case, which is not exactly great. Let's go out to Lewis and Whippany. Lewis, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. What's up? Hey, it's been a while since I called, but listen. Yeah, yeah whose fault is that? You cr- <laughs> and, well, you got a little bit more popular. Sometimes the lines are a little bit busy. You know, okay. So, you know. Uh, so listen, uh, hearing your, uh, I guess, like, speech, what, what was that? Like, on Tuesday when you were saying this is the end for the Giants, too bad for the No, it's not, it's not that it's the end. It's just the, the day, you know, Giant fans have lived a very charmed existence, and now that existence is over. It was a great run. You had, like, 40 years of, of, of being one of the pinnacle organizations in football, but now you're back to being one of the also-rans. And there's lots of us, and we enjoy Misery Loves Company, but now yeah. you're part of that group. No, yeah, I completely understand. But listen, hey, last week, uh, agree or disagree with me, Bill O'Brien was the out of the 16 head coaches, it was the worst one last week, less than the, the tournament, pretty much, right? Oh no, I wouldn't say that. I think that uh, well, I think uh, I think that the Bills coach wasn't exactly no, uh, was not exactly no, no, great no, either. No, no, Fourth no, no, and no, no, no. twenty-seven, going for it. Well, I mean, what the hell was that? Listen, okay, wait, Sean wait. McDermott was terrible in that game. You got to admit, though, the only reason Bill O'Brien still—I'm not saying Bill O'Brien was good. Well, I'm just saying, like, the reason he still has that job is because Deshaun Watson is just yes. out of this world amazing yep. quarterback. Yeah, he's great. I, 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 I'm just wondering. I, I want you to kind of give me a timeline. You know, obviously just guess. How long do you think it's going to take the Texans uh, only to realize that Bill O'Brien is not a good head coach, man? Thanks for taking well, my Well, look, if you wanted Bill O'Brien out, the, getting a loss last week might have might have pushed that. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but when you go all in like the Texans have been on this season and you lose your first playoff game on Wild Card Weekend at home when you have the better, more experienced quarterback, that certainly would would not have looked good. So the fact that he was able to get that one, even though it wasn't wasn't pretty and uh, it was not played at the highest level, and and Josh Allen certainly had a hand in it, and and, and Sean McDermott did too. I'm not telling you that Bill O'Brien did a great job last week with some of the decisions he made and how flat his team came out. You would think that having this season that they did, being at home, you'd be ready to roll, and they came out looking like that. And they—that's it seems like a tendency that happens a lot in the playoffs, right? The Texans play that early game on Saturday, and the Texans disappoint. So I'm not a huge Bill O'Brien fan, but no, the worst coach of the 16 in the playoffs? No, I don't think that his performance was that bad. I'll give him a little credit for that. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Here's the thing with the Knicks. 
Anything that's good in the short term is probably bad in the long term. And anything that's bad in the long term or anything that's good in the long term is probably bad in the short term. So while the Knicks have been more competitive, certainly since David Fisdale was fired and David Fisdale was on with Golik and Wingo during the week talking about how nobody has any patience. Well, Dave, you have to win some games sometime. You won four games. And as soon as the as Mike Miller came in, the team looked more cohesive, more competent, and they won some games. Now they didn't want to tip; they haven't won a ton of games. It's still they're still a bad team. They're not a very talented team. But it's it's kind of crazy that even still people are kind of defending David Fisdale when, by all accounts, by all metrics, he did a bad job. So it was nice while the Knicks had that little bit of a run where they were playing better. And you could watch the games, and not that you had an expectation they were going to win, but just to be able to watch them where in the third quarter they weren't down by 30 points. It's nice. It's nice to be able to watch the game and not, as soon as you turn it on, think to yourself, oh boy, here we go again, which was the case last year and under David Fisdale was certainly the case this year. But the problem with the Knicks is, I still feel like, and I think you probably do too, 1-800-919-ESPN, that for them to really get things turned around, they're going to have to have a house cleaning. They're going to have to clean house after this season. And I'm not talking about Mike Miller. Maybe Mike Miller stays on. Maybe you you find someone else that you want to be the coach. But really in the front office, they had their chance to show you what the plan was. And there's this report that now they're, they're looking at possibly trading for Andre Drummond. Like if that's not a, a sign that they really don't, there is no plan. There's no better indication of that. Like, what what would that do? But R.J. Barrett, I was watching him last night. I've watched him maybe not on the West Coast trip that much because the games are late and we're on at 5. And I'm not saying that I'm disappointed in him or anything like that. But it is slightly concerning that at this point of the season, the good games are almost feeling like they're more and more rare. And there's far more struggles than success. Now, I get it. He's 19 years old. I'm not saying I'm giving up on him. I'm not saying that the Knicks made the wrong pick or anything like that. I'm just saying that at this point of the season, a season that you came into after the offseason you had, thinking to yourself, all right, what am I going to look forward to? Well, the number one thing that you were going to look forward to was getting to see R.J. Barrett. And you knew, you had to know, that there were going to be struggles here and there. There were going to be off nights. But you just think about when you have the third pick in the draft and you've gotten the performance from R.J. Barrett that you have so far, I'm going to say it's not exactly an overwhelming return so far. It's not exactly like I'm sitting there saying, my God, it's it's a clear sign that this guy is is going to be in three years. This guy's going to be a superstar. Maybe he will be. I'm not I'm not cutting bait on him or anything like that. But to be almost at the midway point of this season. To be sitting it and watching him, still with the struggles, you know, scoring about 14 points per game, it's not exactly like he's 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 knocking my socks off, especially not when, and now he was older, he's he's more established, he was playing in a far tougher league, and 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 he was more NBA ready. The third pick from the, a year ago was Luka Doncic, and you look where he is one year later, and even where he was last year was leaps and bounds of where ahead of where R.J. Barrett is. And you look at where the number two pick, John Morant, is how he's been playing. Like, that's kind of what I would ex- I would expect it a little bit more highs 
and maybe a few or more lows, and it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like it's even trending in the right direction for R.J. Barrett because there seems to be much more nights where he struggles than when things go well. Let's put it that way. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go out to uh, Bill is in Queens. Bill, what's going on, my man? Good morning, Gordon. Thanks for taking my call. I, I guess I'm a little confused or, or find it funny that everybody's, like, panicked about these uh, coaches, this judge and, and, and um, rule. Every head coach out there, Belichick, uh, Lou Holtz, these legendary coaches, they all had a first team. And – I guess I don't understand. You have to see what happens. I mean, like you're saying, like, we don't know. There's no crystal ball. How, we have to wait and see how this is going to play out. Like, what's going to happen? He goes 8-8 eight and eight with the Giants next year, then he's like a genius. Or he goes 10-6 ten, ten and six, and then he's a genius. Uh, I don't understand what the panic is. He has, you have to put the talent around it, and he's a leader. They, you know, what did you want him to say in this press conference? Like, Nothing. Like no, I mean, I, I had no problem with anything that he said in the press conference. I just wasn't blown away by, you know, the Giants say that they were blown away by what he, he oh. gave in their interview. I wasn't blown away by anything he said. It seemed like it was all boilerplate stuff. And really, it's not really even about Joe Judge as much as it is about the decision makers surrounding the Giants. Like, this is another questionable decision. And when there's been other questionable decisions made under Dave Gettleman, it, they, the, the general perception is, oh, this is this is a bad move. This is a bad decision. And generally, those those people pointing that out have been right. Now, the Daniel Jones one, it was far better than we thought it was going to be, or a lot of people thought that it was going to be. He had a he had a by all accounts a rookie season that was good. There's things Absolutely. for him to work on. But most of the decisions that Dave Gettleman has made in his time with the Giants have been bad decisions. They've been wrong decisions, approach decisions, player personnel decisions. So when he goes outside the box, I don't think it's really not about Joe Judge. The guy's name could have been anything. But just given that resume and coming into a situation that he's facing right now and someone who's made a lot of questionable decisions in Dave Gettleman, I think it's speaking more about Dave Gettleman than it is about Joe Judge. Fair enough. I mean, I guess... But then if Joe Judge goes 10 and 6, then he's got him with a genius then? Well, look, I mean, he'll get plenty of credit. I mean, the, the credit, it's a fair game. The game is based on, we know what the rules are. If you have success, whether or not you're a, a complete nincompoop, but if your team is, is successful, we will find ways to give you the credit for that. There's nobody out there, outside of maybe Mike McCarthy, where we, we look at the record and we say, you know what? That, that, that wasn't a good indicator of how he was. If the Giants go 10 and 6 next year, people will be giving you all the reasons why this was a foregone con- Oh my goodness. You had to trust Dave Gettleman. He knew what he was doing the whole time. The Giants are this winning organization and sure they've had some down years, but they knew what they were doing. They've had success and this was the right. That's all well, but we don't know that yet. So we're going to judge it based on the evidence, at least I am, I'm going to base it on the evidence that I've had so far. And the evidence that I had so far is the Giants are looking more and more like a lost organization. And the more I hear Dave Gettleman talk, it's kind of crazy for me to think that the Giants are facing this rebuilding situation. And they have to be brought into the, the modern age of football. And the person they have tasked with bringing them into the modern age of football is Dave Gettleman. That doesn't seem to be if – if that's a bet, I'm not, I'm not laying the money on the table with that bet. Sorry. Let's go out to Chris and Beth Page. Chris. Hey, um, Gordon, I want to follow a little bit up on what the previous call was saying. Sure. And, you know, and I've never heard such hand-wringing in my whole life over this Gellman thing. Listen, I go back to this. You know when the Giants lost their way? When about 
the third, the third year into Jerry Reese's general managing, um, he basically became maybe one of the worst general managers in New York sports history from year three on. You, you've got to go and look back at the crap. I'm sorry to use that word that he left us with as giant fans, his picks. He missed. Oh, no, he, was ter- he was terrible. No, you're right. Just beyond terrible. No, I mean, listen, Gettleman having Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and Slayton and Will Hernandez, that, you know, I know he had a little bit off here. You look at the percentages in love. I'm just saying the amount of guys that at least Gettleman's bringing into this organization are decent. And, and I think the biggest mistake Gettleman made, of course, and the Giants made, was hiring Shermer in the last couple of years. Guy was a horrendous coach, never made in-game decisions, never adjusted, terrible. So I put, you know, everyone loves hanging this on Gettleman and the Maras and this and that. But I'm telling you, as a Giant fan, I watch every game twice. And I watch the stuff that Jerry Reese left us with. And I watch the horrendous coaching that Sherman did. They had a 17-3 lead against the Eagles on the road, okay? That's competitive. That's not a bad team. The Eagles came out in the second half and totally adjusted. Sherman did nothing. So I'm just saying it's you can blame gentlemen all you want. Uh, uh, look, I'm not blaming him completely. I think that there Everyone is probably is, more talent. I'll say yes. this. Pat Shermer did not maximize the talent that he had on his roster by totally. any way. But totally. I don't think it's a talented roster either. I don't think that all of a sudden there's all these undiscovered gems on the Giants roster that all of a sudden if you just get league average coaching, all of a sudden that uh, they're going to be an eight-win team next year. I still don't think they're a very talented team. And while Gettleman has done, uh, you'd have to give him credit, he has done a far better job in the draft than maybe he is giving credit for. The the two caveats with that is... A, the first draft looked good early on, and then a lot of those guys took a step back this year, so maybe that might be the case with the guys this year, next year. Also, that's great that he did well in the draft. Those are not the only ways that he's made moves. And the other moves have been even more puzzling and more of a detriment than the good moves have been good or or have been positive. All right, Gordon, can I just say this? and then I'll I'll, I'll let you uh, comment. Um, the, The thing that I get is people keep changing the narrative because what happened was this. Everyone's like he should have taken a quarterback instead of Saquon Barkley. Okay, fine, I get it. That's what. It, so everyone pins him for that mistake. Now he goes down and falls in love with Daniel Jones, and everybody rips him for it. Everybody. So they say this is a joke. Now Daniel Jones, like I said, I watched that guy. Granted, he fumbles and this and that. You watch that game against the Redskins. He, he played one of the greatest games on the road. I'm just saying, fit, no, for a rookie quarterback. So absolutely, what I'm is, he had he had a better is, rookie season than Sam Darnold had a rookie season. I will give you credit for that. But those are not the only moves. And you, you're saying that people are changing the narrative. Well, Dave Gettleman's changing the narrative too because when he came in, he said, "No, we're going to win now." What I saw from Eli, he, he I saw him against the Eagles. He can still get it done. And the first year was a complete disaster. And then he said, "All right, well now we got to change the page." So he's kind of changing the narrative, too. So is all the blame on Dave Gettleman? No, of course not. It's a, it's a group thing, and, and Pat Shermer wasn't good. But you have to kind of ding him as well because he's the guy that hired Pat Shermer. So when he goes outside the box again in a Giants organization that's went outside the box here, the last two coaching hires, it, it makes you a little queasy thinking about what's possible because even though McAdoo didn't work out, and even though Shermer didn't work out, both of those guys had a far better claim to get a head coaching job, even with Shermer's record, even with the unknown of McAdoo, than the guy you just hired. 
because he wasn't going to get another co- he wasn't going to get a head coaching job this turn outside of the Giants. And when when your organization's made a lot of questionable decisions, this is one. Could it work out? Yes. But in terms of trying to project of whether or not it will, it doesn't look that great for me. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.